0: Money, 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 money. Welcome to Ask Peggy About Your Finances, because prosperity is so much more than money. Brought to you by writer, speaker, and certified financial planner, Peggy Doviak. Thank you to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Hello, and welcome to the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. My name is Peggy Doviak, and we've got a really great show this week. We're looking at what made the market go down last week, as well as what's already driving us this morning of September 21st, 2020. We're also going to look at regulations to try to help keep senior citizens safer from poor financial practices. We're going to look at how to help your children succeed in their education in the Plan Your Prosperity segment. And then finally in the ask peggy segment i'm going to answer the age-old question is what is quadruple witching and it's not even october yet so it's not actually anything to do with real witches but we'll talk more about that later in the meantime i want to get started with the bulls and bears market and economic summary and this is for the week that ended september 18th 2020. now If you listen to last week's show, you know that the market went down last week as well. So that was for um, the week that ended September 11th. So the next week, the market is also down for the week. And so I'm just kind of helping you see longer term trends because the volatility has been so crazy that we're down 300 points, we're up 300 points. It's really easy to kind of lose where you are in space and time. So we've now had two consecutive weeks that the market has closed lower, although it did much better last week than it did the week before. The Dow just closed down by a hair at 0.03%. For the S&P 500 closed down about 6 tenths of a percent lower and the NASDAQ closed down about half a percent lower. Gold went up almost half a percent. West Texas Intermediate Crude was the big winner for the week. It went up 9.47%. The 10-year Treasury yield went up 3.04%, while the value of the aggregate bond fund went down. If you'll remember, last week they moved the same direction. I said, that's really weird. At least this week, we've got the yield going one way and the price of the bond fund going the other way, which is how it's supposed to be. The dollar was was also pretty flat last week. The dollar index, the DXY, went down 0.36%. So when I put the show together over the weekend, so just a couple of days ago, I thought that some of the biggest news would be what the... um, Federal Reserve press release was last week. You know, they met last week for two days. They issued a statement. Markets always watch really closely to see what the Fed is saying. Fed really didn't say anything that surprised me a lot. They're still very concerned with the long-term economic impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. The direct quote is it's causing tremendous human and economic hardship across the United States and around the world that even though things are getting better, we're not anywhere close to pre-COVID days. And they said that how we go from here will really depend on the virus. And so if we come up with a good, safe solution for the virus, then the markets are going to do a lot better. The economy is going to do a lot better. Remember, it's very easy to get the stock market and the economy confused when actually... The stock market and the economy, although they often are kind of similar, they don't have to be similar. So what we have right now is on the giant corporate level, things are going a lot better than they are on the individual level. And that's why we've had such a disparity um, between how people are doing and how the market is doing. So they're still seeking a 2% inflation rate over the long run. Um, Inflation is below the goal so right now i don't see any reason to think that the fed would be raising interest rates anytime soon remember the federal reserve has two tasks the first is to control inflation and the second is to help employment and right now there really isn't anything that the fed can do that it hasn't already done other than possibly more of the same to try to help people when they're unemployed and um, Inflation right now is so low that that I don't think it's going to be an issue. So, okay, I thought that was going to be the end of the Bulls and Bears market report. And then there was a huge news story over the weekend that really nobody's talking about. And it's understandable because we, we had the tragic death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg last week. You know, such a role model for so many women, and it's a real tragedy. And then, of course, the political drama of what happens now with the Supreme Court, and that pretty much was the weekend news cycle. Except there was a leaking, and if you will, a whistleblower report put out by BuzzFeed News and a whole bunch of other sources. There's no questioning right now as to whether or not this reporting is accurate, There is some question as to whether or not the reporting should have been done, but what they put together were a huge compilation of suspicious activity reports that were created by banks. Now, a suspicious activity report can be anything from something very mundane to something fairly scary. It's whenever you go into a bank and you do something that's not quite normal either within the regulatory bounds of what's normal legally, or if you do a transaction that is very outside of what you normally do. So for example, when my husband inherited money after the death of his mother, and then we withdrew that money to use it to buy a house, that would have triggered an activity report. And I think they're actually all called suspicious. I, I think that, you know, the suspicious, it's just the name of the report. Why did they pull $40,000, $50,000, however much it was out of the bank to put for down? Or what, what, why did they pull it out? Well, we were putting it down for the down payment of the house. I think they even asked us what we were doing with the money. No big deal. They filed the report. But sometimes these reports are, are how they can get the sense that there's money laundering or really crooked stuff going on. And what BuzzFeed News and the other sources discovered is after a bank had received a large number of suspicious activity reports from individuals or organizations, they continued to do business with them. And the screaming headlines in the overnight business was, European stock markets down because banks continue to do businesses with business with organizations that might have been laundering money. And so today we have the Dow down. It's down 805 points. This is um, almost 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on Monday. I've no idea if this drop's going to hold, but Europe closed miserably. Um, U.S. markets are closing miserably because these are really big banks. These are banks you've heard of. It was Deutsche Bank, which has a tendency to get in the news for um, potential money laundering issues, Standard Charters, Barclays, Commerce Bank, Danks Bank, and HSBC, really big banks, really, really big banks. So this is an unfolding story, and it ended up taking part of today's show that I hadn't anticipated. As I learn more, I'm going to share it with you because I think this is something and it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Thank you to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Welcome back to the legislative update of the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. And today I want to talk about some changes to legislation concerning financial exploitation of both seniors as well as other specified adults, those people who might have a harder time making decisions or be more easily misled or swindled or conned or intimidated. So this is actually a really important rule that Fenra passed It's FINRA Rural 2165. So if you wanna read more about the rural in general, I would recommend that you go there. You know, so many people who are my age are trying very hard to make sure that their parents are okay. So many people my age are also trying to make sure that their kids are okay. So they have aging parents and kids who are young adults. So really they're not kids anymore. They're they're just simply young adults. But young adults are also easy to intimidate. They're easy to take advantage of simply because they don't have as much experience and maybe they're not quite as cynical as some of the rest of us are. So what I'd like to talk about today is a small piece of this legislation, but it's part of a bigger picture. And so if you're interested in learning more about the rule itself, you really should check out Rule 2165. So what FINRA set up in this rule originally was giving a financial advisor or another professional the ability to temporarily freeze an account if they were anticipating fraud on the part of someone who was withdrawing funds from the account. And and I did pick on financial services at the beginning of this. I really have to say though, that the number one exploiter of senior citizens is not the financial services community. It's a combination of family members and caregivers. And so in much the same way, there's there's a nice parallel here between my section one and section two, If there's a suspicious activity report, it makes the bank pay attention to what's going on. If a financial advisor or another person who has a fiduciary responsibility over that account notices weird transactions, they can do a temporary freeze of those assets until they figure out what's going on. Now, you've gotta be really careful with this because someone has the right to spend their money exactly the way they choose. But if there's a fear of fraud, it is possible actually to stop transactions for a little bit. And this new update to it, and I'm I'm reading here, it says it would permit extending the hold period In a case of suspected fraud, if the member firm, so the brokerage firm, had reported the matter to a state regulator or agency or a court of competent jurisdiction, and it places temporary holds on transactions in securities where there is suspected financial exploitation. And I actually read that directly out of a great article out of ThinkAdvisor written by Melanie Waddell that came out September 18th. And I'll include a link to that in case you want to see it yourself. So if if the event has been reported to state regulators or a court, then it lets a little bit longer hold be put on the funds as people are trying to figure out whether or not the transactions are normal or whether or not the senior or the at-risk individual is being exploited. I know this show plays all over the United States, and this is not a show for financial advisors. This is a show for consumers. But the law around a financial advisor's legal obligation varies from state to state. So in some states, If you think there might be financial exploitation going on, you have an obligation to report it. In other states, you don't as a financial advisor. So actually, Oklahoma has more strict rules in this one particular area than some other states do. But you also need to know that as the individual who has that at-risk adult that you're trying to help out, just Help them by looking at their brokerage statements, okay? Help them by trying to have just a little bit of an active role in what's going on in their finances. Because I've also seen financial advisors take advantage. So this is a really big problem that senior citizens are facing. And you know, a lot of times people work their whole lives, they have quite a bit of money gathered together, and of course there's plenty of people who'd be happy to do something with that money for them. So the law's been made more strict, financial advisors are being held more to account, and you as the loved one of the at-risk person needs to try to help. If you are at risk, reach out, have somebody else just look things over. If you're worried about anything at all, it doesn't have to be a regulator. It can just be a friend or somebody you trust or a family member, just to be sure that everything is going exactly the way you think it should be. Thank you to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Welcome back to the Plan Your Prosperity segment of the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. And today, I want to talk about college funding. And I want to talk about it in maybe a more broad perspective than sometimes we might think about it. Because we always think in terms of saving money in a 529 plan, and there's nothing wrong with that, but there's other ways that we can help our kids or those people that we love pay for their college. I'd like to start out by saying, you know, welcome back to everybody who is either in-person attending classes or virtually attending classes. Now the two big OU teams have played a game. So OU did not play this weekend. They played the weekend ahead of that, and they won, which was awesome. It was a real blowout. And this weekend, OSU managed to squeak by, so congratulations to them, too. I do not have a huge preference. I realize that I'm actually working with an OU radio station, as I'm saying this, but I also teach for Oklahoma State University. So when I got the job, I teach in their Master's of Family Financial Planning Program, and I said, I will root for OSU football for Every game of the year except one, and that's when you play OU. And then my really deep boomer sooner roots have to come out, and I can't help you then. But you know, certainly it's back to college, it's back to school. This is a weird year. It doesn't really feel like back to school. But it is a time that people start thinking about, wow, my kids going to be going to college in, you know, just a few years, and how am I going to pay for this? and the first thing that i would like to encourage you to do is to help them excel in school so in their junior high and their high school help them excel if they're struggling a little bit in a class help them get a tutor or some assistance give them every opportunity to maximize their high school experience because one of the best ways to get into college is to have really great credentials in high school. And that includes not only making the great grades, but being active in the extracurricular activities as well. So it's really easy to see high school as that thing you go through to get to college, but the truth is it's super important. And there's lots of kids who start getting ready to go to college through their high school activities by their freshman year. So you don't wanna get behind the eight ball on that. Additionally, I know every everybody wants to work in high school because they want gasoline money, they want going out money, but possibly you might consider going ahead and continuing an allowance and giving them the free time to study. I understand that there is a responsibility, and I'm not opposed to responsibility at all, but I do think that I've seen too many kids who are working long hours working late at night especially if they're in retail or fast food and they don't have time to get their homework done that at the end of the day is not the way to get a college scholarship because your grades matter so much the other thing that matters almost as much as grades whether we want it to or not are college entrance exams and i know there's many schools of thought behind the the effectiveness the usefulness the fairness of college entrance exams, and, and I, I understand all of that. And I'm actually super sympathetic towards it and agree with it to a great extent, but that doesn't stop the fact that if you don't do well in your college entrance exams, you're going to have problems getting into college. So it pays to take review classes. It pays to find ways of taking the exam as a practice that doesn't then get figured into the final score. So, this is where you need to get with a test prep service and talk to people who are smarter than I am about all of those specifics about what you do so that when you do take those college prep exams for real, your score can knock it out of the park. Because college entrance has become really a contact sport. And so, you want to do everything you can to help make it go better. And to up your chances of getting admitted now i know that sometimes it's a really great thing for kids to take a bridge year between high school and college and maybe go to a community college and if you want to take um have them take freshman class classes there smaller classes maybe more focus on teaching rather than just being taught by a ta that's great But be really careful if you do that, that by starting at a junior college, if they're trying to get into a prestigious four-year school, that might mess them up. If you want to get the classes out of the way, if you take it concurrently in high school, that's not nearly as likely to impact their ability to get into the best college that they can get into, the one they want to go to, as it is to take that bridge year and go to the junior college first. Now, there is nothing wrong with a year at a junior college and then three more years at the state college and getting your degree or three more years at the regional college and getting your degree. I was listening to a speech this weekend by former Vice President Biden, who apparently went to a state school and was asked the question of, wow, you'll be the first president who didn't go to an Ivy League school if you're elected. What do you think about that? And he said to the crowd, he thought it was a ridiculous question. So I think that, you know, there's nothing wrong with the regional college, the state college. You just don't want to take an action because it seemed like a good idea at the time that causes an issue later. Also, look for scholarship opportunities, look for family heritage things that might help you get a scholarship, look for hobbies look for interests. look for athletics, and take the time again in high school to develop all of that out to give yourself the best opportunity to get the, to get the scholarship. Of course, you can save through 529 plans and Coverdell Education Savings Accounts. I'm not going to talk a lot about those here because I said I wanted to talk about other things, but saving through, for college in those funds and in those plans makes sense. Usually your state plan will be the best choice because if you have state income tax, it will give you the deduction. You also don't need a financial advisor to help you with that. You can just go to your state's website and enroll yourself and then probably choose some kind of a blended plan, look at the risk tolerance levels, choose accordingly. But it's not typically very difficult and you don't necessarily need to hire somebody to try to help you with that. If you don't have money to help your kids and you feel bad about it, don't. It's actually more important that you fund your own retirement rather than saving for their college because you don't want to be a burden on them for the last 30 years of your life. You can be a cheerleader and a supporter and then let them handle the funding of their college themselves. As long as they know you're their safe place to land, that's all they're actually looking for. Thank you to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Welcome back to the Ask Peggy segment of the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. And this is your opportunity to ask me a question. So if you'd like to submit a question to the show, go to askpeggy.com, that's A-S-K-P-E-G-G-Y.com, submit a question, and if your question gets accepted, I'll get in contact with you and get a few more details. Today's question comes from a conversation I was having with a good friend about how people and articles use terms and they don't define them. And so if you're trying to read about something, they'll just toss out a term. You have no idea what it means. And her argument was that financial services is the worst about doing this. And then I was reading an article last week about quadruple witching, and they didn't offer any definition. And I thought, you know, she's right. So what I thought I would do for you today is define quadruple witching just so you know what it means in case you hear of it. And so quadruple, like four, witching, W-I-T-C-H-I-N-G. And quadruple witching day is the day that both options and futures contracts expire. So what's an option and what's a future? In addition to the normal things we invest in in the stock market, like stocks and bonds and mutual funds and ETFs, There's a whole classification of investments called derivatives. And derivatives derive their value from underlying stocks and indexes. But they work on leverage. So maybe a stock goes up 1% in price and your derivative moves by 10% or maybe even worse than that. So they're pretty risky. And with a derivative, you have to make an agreement and you have to set a date that that agreement expires on. And so when you look at option contracts, when you buy an option contract, when you buy a call specifically, you're buying the right to buy a stock or an index at a price by a certain date. When you buy a futures contract, you are agreeing to buy or sell a certain amount by a certain date. So not only do options and futures work with leverage, so they move a lot in their price value, but you also have to be right by a certain date. And if you're not right by that date, Your contract does not turn out like you wanted it to. Maybe it expires at zero. Maybe you didn't make as much money as you thought you would make, but it doesn't work out for you well. So quadruple witching is the day that stock options, index options, stock futures, and index futures all expire. And because they're all expiring on this one day, you tend to have more volatility in the market because everybody has all of these bets that are just about to expire worthless if things don't work out for them. So there tends to be higher volume and it tends to be more erratic. Now in truth, it used to be worse than it is today. So much trading today is electronic. The matching of the buyers and the sellers is more electronic than done in person. So there's not nearly as much volatility as there was today. But still, quadruple witching days can be pretty intense. Up until fairly recently, by the way, they were called triple witching days because there were only three contracts expiring. So if you've heard of a triple witching day, it's just been replaced because they've added an additional futures contract. Just in case you were wondering why you had never heard of that term before. So the witching is impacting, making it act kind of crazy, making it act kind of erratic. So it's not really been hex. There really hasn't been a spell placed on the market. But there's just a whole bunch of traders trying to make a whole lot of things happen by this last day. So there does tend to be the volatility. Friday was a quadruple witching day. Now remarkably, Friday looked like any other day in the stock market. So just because you see that you're coming up to a triple witching or a quadruple witching day, I'm not suggesting for a minute you should trade a traditional portfolio because of what you're seeing that day. Okay, that's something you would talk to your financial advisor, but generally, the person it impacts is the person in the options or the futures market. But for those people, these days are really stressful, and you never know how things are going to go. Thank you to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. You may submit personal finance questions to the Ask Peggy Facebook page and learn more at PeggyDowiak.com. And remember, prosperity is so much more than money.